0: I'm Jeffrey Coolwater. I live in Canada, but I happen to be an abolitionist vegan. You can follow me on Twitter. Just do a search for at MacVegan. Now back to your host, coexisting with non-human animals.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Tiedemann. I'm an abolitionist vegan from the United States. You can find me at avoiceforanimals.blogspot.com. That's a voice, the number four, animals.blogspot.com. And you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals.
2: Hi, my name is Conrad Reiger. I'm an abolitionist vegan from Toronto, Canada. You can find me at tastyveganmeals.blogspot.com. You're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals.
3: I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully.
4: Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, Let's well. get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals.
2: Hello and welcome to another fine episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I got so excited about having THREE new bumpers, I had to play them all. I couldn't wait. If you're an abolitionist vegan, I'd love to have an intro bumper from you. Please get in touch, J-A-Y-W-O-N-T-D-A-R-T, dart at gmail.com. The rest of the world really needs to close the coexisting with non-human animals bumper gap. Hell Canadians seem to make up a large percentage of my intros. Just so long as we all recognise Glorious Nation of New Zealand as having the most animal rights podcast per cubic centimetre, okay? Elizabeth's last episode of NZ Vegan Podcast was interesting. I won't distort what she said, (laughs) like I'd ever do that. Many other New Zealand vegans have many other, um, different, ideas about what is, and isn't, natural. For example, according to some of the others here, not Elizabeth, Did you know that genetic engineering is not natural, and is, in fact, quote, evil? But on the other hand, unicorns and healing gemstones are natural. Elizabeth may not have caught that particular strain of vegan kiss pseudo-FO science, but rest assured, we'll be monitoring her condition. It would be rather interesting to have the two of us have a debate. Some of us wouldn't want to live without our touchscreen pieces of glass and stainless steel, crappy reception and all. Actually, the whole North Island of New Zealand seems to be rather backw- um, Not into scientific development for quote non-essential end quote tech You should see the problems we have with Skype for example Those poor Aucklanders always drop out and some of them can't even have a web browser open while talking I always imagine sending them an iPad It would be just like in the opening of 2001 A Space Odyssey with those northern ape savages bashing their hunks of bone against the sleek black apple-designed tablet that apparently fell from the sky. Like in the movie, evolution would instantly leap forwards. Here's a nice long clip from 2001 sequel, 2010 Odyssey 2. The unwashed heathens can skip past 1982's account of living in the year 2010, but rest assured, when they want to stay on this precious ball of dirt while the rest of us fly into space, deal with a murderous computer, then take a (coughs) Pod flight to a black, star filled lump, to emerge years later as a pure energy godlike being? Well, they shouldn't look at the big shiny ball of light that happens when they throw their little nuclear rocks at us. I hope they'll listen anyway, although they can fast forward back to my droning if they like.
5: How obvious now was that mathematical ratio of its sides, the quadratic sequence one to four to nine? And how naive to have imagined that the series ended there, in only three dimensions. Even as his mind focused upon these geometrical simplicities, the empty rectangle filled with stars, the hotel suite, if indeed it had ever really existed, dissolved back into the mind of its creator, and there before him was the luminous whirlpool of the galaxy. It might have been some beautiful, incredibly detailed model embedded in a block of plastic, but it was the reality, now grasped by him as a whole with senses more subtle than vision, if he wished, he could focus his attention upon any one of its hundred billion stars. Here he was, adrift in this great river of suns, halfway between the banked fires of the galactic core and the lonely scattered sentinel stars of the rim. And there was his origin, on the far side of this chasm in the sky, this serpentine band of darkness, empty of all stars. He knew that this formless chaos, visible only by the glow that limbed its edges from fire mists far beyond, was the still unused stuff of creation, the raw material of evolutions yet to be. Here time had not yet begun, not until the suns that now burned were long since dead would light and life reshape this void. Unwittingly he had crossed it once, now far better prepared, though still wholly ignorant of the impulse that drove him, he must cross it again. The galaxy burst forth from the mental frame in which he had enclosed it. Stars and nebulae poured past him in an illusion of infinite speed. Phantom suns exploded and fell behind as he slipped like a shadow through their cores. The stars were thinning out, the glare of the Milky Way dimming into a pale ghost of the glory he had known and might one day know again. He was back in the space that men called real at the very point he had left it, seconds or centuries ago. He was vividly aware of his surroundings and far more conscious than in that earlier existence of a myriad sensory inputs from the external world. He could focus upon any one of them and scrutinize it in virtually limitless detail, until he confronted the fundamental granular structure of time and space below which there was only chaos and he could move, though he did not know how. But had he ever really known that, even when he possessed a body? The chain of command from brain to limb was a mystery to which he had never given any thought. An effort of will, and the spectrum of that nearby star shifted toward the blue by precisely the amount he wished. He was falling toward it at a large fraction of the speed of light. Though he could go faster if he desired, he was in no hurry. There was still much information to be processed, much to be considered, and much more to be won. That he knew was his present goal, but he also knew that it was only part of some far wider plan to be revealed in due course. He gave no thought to the gateway between universes dwindling so swiftly behind him or to the anxious entities gathered around it in their primitive spacecraft. They were part of his memories, but stronger ones were calling him now, calling him home to the world he had never thought to see again. He could hear its myriad voices growing louder and louder, as it too was growing from a star almost lost against the sun's outstretched corona, to a slim crescent, and finally to a glorious blue-white disk. They knew that he was coming. Down there on that crowded globe the alarms would be flashing across the radar screens, the great tracking telescopes would be searching the skies, and history as men had known it would be drawing to a close. A thousand kilometers below, he became aware that a slumbering cargo of death had awakened and was stirring in its orbit. The feeble energies it contained were no possible menace to him. Indeed, he could profitably use them. He entered the maze of circuitry and swiftly traced the way to its lethal core. Most of the branchings could be ignored. They were blind alleys, devised for protection. Beneath his scrutiny, their purpose was childishly simple. It was easy to bypass them all. Now there was a single last barrier, a crude but effective mechanical relay holding apart two contacts. Until they were closed, there would be no power to activate the final sequence. He put forth his will, and for the first time knew failure and frustration. The few grams of the micro-switch would not budge. He was still a creature of pure energy, as yet the world of inert matter was beyond his grasp. Well, there was a simple answer to that. He still had much to learn, The current pulse he induced in the relay was so powerful that it almost melted the coil before it could operate the trigger mechanism. The microseconds ticked slowly by. It was interesting to observe the explosive lenses focus their energies like the feeble match that ignites a powder train, which in turn... The megatons flowered in a silent detonation that brought a brief false dawn to half the sleeping world. Like a phoenix rising from the flames, he absorbed what he needed and discarded the rest. Far below, the shield of the atmosphere, which protected the planet from so many hazards, absorbed the most dangerous of the radiation. But there would be some unlucky men and animals who would never see again. In the aftermath of the explosion it seemed as if the earth was struck dumb. The babble of the short and medium waves was completely silenced, reflected back by the suddenly enhanced ionosphere. Only the microwaves still sliced through the invisible and slowly dissolving mirror that now surrounded the planet, and most of these were too tightly beamed for him to receive them. A few high-powered radars were still focused upon him, but that was a matter of no importance. He did not even bother to neutralize them, as he could easily have done. And if any more bombs were to come his way, he would treat them with equal indifference. For the present, he had all the energy he needed. And now he was descending in great sweeping spirals, the lost landscape of his childhood.
2: See, that's what a real god looks like, from a fiction book first published in 1982. Bugger water into wine, I want direct control over every dimension, regardless of speed or distance. All that was said to have happened in 2010, you know, last year. Well, I don't remember being godlike and made from pure energy, but I did get an iPhone 4 and iPad, so we're well on the way there. It's probably next year that we get our flying cars, and the year after that, the godlike powers. Although all the wonder and future technology is ruined by the last book, 3001 shows the star child Bowman is just uploaded data on the monolith computers. At the end, he and Hal are somehow able to be stored on a single quote, petabyte sized disk. No, it doesn't sign off Temple Grandin's work. It's merely a thousand times, exactly, larger than my IMAX one terabyte hard drive. Talk about mundane. Apparently Avatar, the movie, took up a little over a petabyte to render, and Internet Archive, Archive.org, where I save my show, has about three petabytes of data, as of 2009, and growing. It's rather interesting to think of how these podcasts are recorded voices, so maybe that means I get to live on, like Lord Voldemort and his Horcruxes, right? You know, all that, a part of his soul living somewhere else inside an item. He used an anagram too. Tom Marvelo Riddle. I am Lord Voldemort. I loved that bit in the second movie. Just like my own Jordan Wyatt being Jay Won't Dart. Just remember, when I take over the world, being of pure energy or not, make sure you don't hit delete on the copy of my show on your devices, okay? Thanks in advance. I've been a long-time listener, I mean, producer, of the No Agenda podcast, www.noagendashow.com. They often have interesting breakdowns of the news. Let's see if I can examine their show. This bit's about Obama talking about don't ask, don't tell, and about how proud they are of killing other people. Fighter said during the Pentagon's review. Uh, th- this this was one of my favorites. It, it echoes Stamity. the experience of Lloyd Corwin decade er- decades earlier. Uh, we have a gay guy in the unit. He's big... He's mean. He kills lots of bad guys. No one cared that he was gay. And I
4: think that sums up perfectly. That's right. That's right. Because when you're in the military, all you do is you kill bad guys. That's all you do. That's right. You talk to these guys. We talk to these guys in the military. My son, <laughs> uh, a couple, both of them are actually in touch with different guys that are in the military in one way or another. And uh, one of them, apparently, you know, he's a heart. He's a mili- He's a marine. All he does is string uh, our, our, you know, cable for do all kinds for of stuff. And what happened to, um, uh, to peacekeeping? What happened to? Uh, uh, to working with uh, local officials and, uh, and yeah. installing... No, no, we, we kill bad guys, therefore it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, and by the yeah. way... Yeah, we just a bunch of butchers. And by the way... Is that what he's saying?
2: What a terrible term, butcher. We recognize that when talking about other people. The butcher of Baghdad for Saddam Hussein, for example. Yet Adam and John are for butchering non-humans. This
4: is just more reason to find somebody, get to it, find a farmer, find somebody that grows their own meat... And, <laughs> and and throw money at them. <laughs> we grow meat here. We just bought a bunch of, we just bought a half a cow and it's like the, you pay, it's like the total price is like a buck 50. I mean, it's really a lot. It's really a way to save money and get a quality, you know, uh, some quality food because it's a organic field, you know, that things just grass fed and there's not, you don't, they're not screwing with it. And uh, if you, in anybody that's got some access to the rural America, you can eat like this and you eat cheaper and better and you don't have to worry about being poisoned. It's terrible. Uh, frozen. Will they chop it up for me as well in bits? No, they they cut it for you. Well, what do you think? You're not going to get it. You're not a butcher. <laughs> no, that's correct. It goes to a professional butcher. You tell them what kind of cuts you want because you can orient it toward French cuts or you want more of this or you want more bones. I mean, right. you you have to tell them what you want. And then they, they cut the thing up and then they they wrap it and then they fr- oops. Oops you should have have to have a big freezer you have to buy one and then you throw the meat in there and then you pull out stuff as you need it oh here's a couple of filet mignons i'll pull those out
2: half a cow part of it it's a thing as always i sprang into action and complained because everyone likes whiny complaints right
4: the diamond jordan riot uh, riot riot in invercargill uh southland new zealand Uh, then we have uh, uh Miss Mickey's on something as easy to be vegan as not, and at least uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, go check out abolitionist.approach.com. Do, do you know
2: that um, uh, Bill Clinton has been yeah. named uh, PETA's 2010 Person of the Year for his
4: vegan diet? I think that's, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but it, when you see Clinton, he looks like he he's looks about like to— He <laughs>
2: looks like shit. He looks
4: like—he looks terrible. Yeah, he doesn't look good at all. <laughs> And he seems dingy.
2: Well, I'm glad to know it's as easy to be vegan as not, and it's the least others deserve. Not to be seen as a thing, as an it, but as our friends.
6: I just want to say that I really appreciate what you just said about friends, because I I do think language is important. And I think I'm going to start trying to say that rather than refugees, because I think you're right, Jordan. I love that. They are our friends, and they deserve respect. It's a, it's a matter of the same respect and love. You know, it is love, but not the way the word animal lover means. Mm. So thank you for that.
2: That was a sweet little speech. I think I will have to like overlay some like, da-da-da, kind of theme Damn music it. over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's obviously too long for our modern attention spans. So maybe I should just stand on a street corner, firing an assault rifle into the air, screaming, Go vegan! to get my point across. And of course, old Bill, where's my cigar? Clinton looked fantastic before he was kinda vegan, right? You know, I think there's an example online somewhere of someone explaining how vegans are never allowed to look even slightly tired or sick. If only that person had some kind of audio podcastula show, either that or if there was some way to go to their YouTube video on the topic, Copy and paste its address into keepvid.com to save the medium quality.flv file to your computer, run that through iExtract MP3, put that through iTunes to make an AAC file, because sometimes GarageBand chokes on the weird compression of iExtract MP3, don't ask me why. And then, like, include that in your show, and oh, it should have an app song for an intro too. If only someone knew how to do that.
7: Hi, I just woke up. And yes, I do realize that I look like hell. But seriously, how do you look when you just wake up? I find it really funny that when you're vegan, you're not allowed to look bad. You're not allowed to have bags under your eyes, even if you just woke up, because that probably means you're anemic for not eating meat. Can't have a bad hair day, because maybe your hair is not shiny or is looking messed up because of the lack of vitamins in your diet. Yeah. That's probably it. If you dare to chip nail, then it's just evidence of the lack of calcium. You need to get some milk, you know. <coughs> if you get the flu or are coughing, that probably means that your lungs are collapsing. You know, because vegans are undernourished. If you have a headache, that probably means your brain is shrinking. You know, from the lack of B12. Normal people never get headaches. You know, this right here is the sign that I still have like the marks of my pillow in my face (laughs) But, you know, that just probably means my face is wrinkling Because I'm not getting enough fats from my food And I'm going to age earlier Or something like that I'm not even joking People are always making comments about my weight Have you lost weight? today. What did you have for breakfast? If you're feeling really sleepy and tired, it probably means that you're protein deficient. Because you know, normal people don't get tired for staying up late. I think you need to eat some steak. Don't take this personal. I'm only telling you this because I care about you. Yeah, you care about me, but you're very ignorant as well, so I love you too. Not.
2: <laughs> Thanks for not being asked to use that video, pal. I'll link to the video in the show notes, which you can easily find at bit.ly coexist43 for episode 43, or you can go to the blog directly Coexisting with non-human animals.blogspot.com I'm trying to get more readers, you know, while it's still legal to read text and all. That's right, MJ. We are all like an animal, or an animal, being animals after all. Especially 50 Cent. Whatever happened to that gorilla unit of his? Michael Jackson's long-used distressing language. For example, here he explains how women are, to him at least, attractive new items. him during the thriller era but he flip flops from being heterosexual female nip to sad crying single lonely man throughout his songs and it's no wonder why when he goes about calling woman things pretty or not actually on PYT many of the chorus were his sisters so he had to drag family members in to be classed as his things too the way he sees women, no wonder he gets stuck with the dirty Dianas, the streetwalkers and the Billy Jeans, who let men dance on the floor in the round, on the first date. And how does thriller-era Michael Jackson, the hottest star in the solar system, repay her? Billie Jean is not my lover. She's just a girl who claims that I am the one, but the kid is not my son. No, 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 no.
8: It's just an apple
2: That's terrible, to talk about just taking a bite of the apple and how much you like living this way and then singing about it in falsetto. No wonder the girls say say (laughs) (laughs) Or... Dogging me around? Is that speciesist language coming from them? Either way, don't shrug it off either. No matter how damn funky the beat is, the best part about The Wiz, the second worst Wizard of Oz related movie, after the dreaded Return to Oz. (laughs) Damn, that is a funky song, right? The language we use to describe one another matters. Sometimes you've got to be over the top, sickly sweet, to the point where no man can possibly stand listening to the song. Great pickup line. What woman could resist a big drunk guy coming up to her at the bar and belching that one out? But you can't beat the classics, though. Even when a 64 gigabyte iPod Touch is better in every way, sometimes you need a 120 gigabyte hard drive to get the job done. I'm the highest mountain. 2010 wasn't the only great thing to come out of 1982 though. There's also Thriller. Yes, Thriller, the greatest selling album of all time. These days, a couple million sales is considered great. Thriller, on the other hand, sold about 110 million odd. Not bad, not bad. I mean, nothing else even hits the pathetic 50 million, let alone 110. Apparently in minor nation of America, he's outsold by The Eagles' greatest hits, some band nobody's ever heard of, well, under 100, that is. Like the beef and lamb ad, boom, 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 we love to boogie. I think boogies were those little things that kids used to pick out of their nose. It was an uncivilized time back then, back when people didn't have indoor toilets, so they went to the toilet in a pot that they kept in a special cabinet. The Eagles have sold so many copies because their target audience of confused baby boomers has the old timer's disease, and they can't remember where they put their vinyl copy, or the cassette, or the 8-track, or the laser disc, or the VHS, or the mini-disc, or the HD DVD copy so they have to keep rebuying the damn album. It's not surprising, though. Nothing can compare to Black Michael Jackson. And anyway, it was revealed on The Prophecy. The funk of 40,000
3: years and grizzly ghouls from every tomb
2: are
4: closing in to seal your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body starts to shiver for no mortal.
8: The evil of...
2: The <laughs> 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 <you> <laughs> 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 Loudmouth dictators can't even handle a single thousand year stint. MJ will easily pull off 40k at the top of the musical pops. Even though the Michael album got blasted out of the album charts by what, now that's what I call Music Volume 34, Pink's Greatest Hits and Glee. A bit like that awful inferior to Silverchair US band Nirvana, who had the nerve to replace MJ's Dangerous on the charts, back in the day. Anyway, this isn't meant to be some kind of Michael Jackson podcast. You can find that at www.mjcast.blogspot.com, which I co-host with my friend Andrew, www.mjcast.blogspot.com. So to the guys of the world, let's not go about calling women things, no matter how pretty or young, and let's not refer to each other as like an animal either. We are animals, and they are not things. Just a little dating advice from a New Zealander. Back when people read such things, there was a book called The Camo Suture or something, a book on lovemaking. Well, now New Zealanders are out there, editing the Wikipedia page on the subject. While our entire Air Force rusts waiting to be bought by a rich American, we're all about making love, not war, observe the Concords in action.
8: If every soldier in the world put down his weapon up a woman, What a peaceful world this world would be. It's not warheads, a blonde, not ball. We're talking about brunettes, not get jetheads. Oh, oh, it's got to be sweet 16s, not M16s. When will the governments realize it's got to be funky sexy
2: ladies? I have a vision, and all I can see is only you with the, all of me. Of peace and harmony, where every lady gets a little piece of bread. I've been to Paris,
8: Wellington, and Amsterdam, and the Wamber, Mercer Duncan. Thank you, man. I don't care if you're ugly or you're skanky or you're small, just wanted to do a little something special for you. All the ladies in the world,
2: you deserve
8: it, girl.
2: I love hearing our capital, Wellington, mentioned up there with Paris. Yes, a massively overpopulated country of 4 million. We know all about the business time.
3: Because two minutes When it's with me, you only need two minutes, girl Because I'm so intense Two minutes in heaven is better than one minute in heaven mm. You turn to me and say something sexy like Is that it? I know what you're trying to say, girl You're trying to say, oh yeah, that's it And you tell me you want some more Well, uh, I'm not surprised But I am quite sleepy
2: When I was a little boy I was told by my Dutch neighbours that something like North and or South Holland alone are the size of my region, Southland, population 100,000, yet over there they squeeze millions of people in. If only there was some way to find out if my neighbours were right, uh, well if I'm wrong I'll just correct everyone else by editing Wikipedia later. Hey, we'd be densely populated too, but we're tired okay, it's hard work working eight hours a day, plus I think I have a headache tonight. Someone has to mention overuse of the term articulate in the animal rights movement. Mr. Wyatt articulated his point well. Enough with the damn A-word. If I point something out, would we North Invercargill it up by saying the dictator for life of the Invercargill Vegan Society well gesticulated the approximate location? No, we'd say that bloke pointed over there. At least decent hardworking southern folk would anyway. Actually, it's more than just the northern side of my beloved city. Population: fifty thousand. It's northern hemisphere. Oh, look at us! If gravity frigged up, we wouldn't be flung out into space. Oh, we don't need floors made of Velcro up here. <laughs>
8: No disrespect to the Jackson, but I kill Mike's. I ain't the drinking lane popping peel tight, but don't think I still won't get in your grill like barbecue. The shit I did is hard to do. I'm sick, the last person who's stood next to me caught the flu. Huh, I'm the rap Nat Turner with a black burner. Plus, I'm a
2: stack Demarole and kill Mike's. Ouch, Mr. Cy High Da Prince. Too soon, too soon. And about that, I'm the rap Nat Turner. Plus, I'm Nate Turner, the slave who killed all the white guys? It's times like that that I feel really self-conscious listening to rap music. I hope the rebellion will accept, oh me? I've just got vitiligo, or as us regular decent type of folks say, the Michael Jackson syndrome. For the new year, I thought it would be great to include some reports from honorary members of the Invercargill Vegan Society, people from all around the world. After their dark marks burnt, here's what was sent back to home base.
0: Hi, I'm Jeffrey Coolwater. I live in Canada. You could say I'm just an average guy, but I happen to be an abolitionist vegan. The vegan part just means I came to the realization I should respect all animals enough not to use them for any reason whatsoever. The abolitionist part means I encourage others to do the same. You can follow me on Twitter. Just do a search for at MacVegan. I listen to coexisting with non-human animals because it's part of a growing wave of abolitionist vegan thoughts spreading throughout the world. And to me, that's a very good thing. I'm glad you're listening in too. Take care.
9: Hi, my name's Sasha James, and I'm a vegan from Melbourne, Australia. And I'm super proud to be an honorary member of the Invercargill Vegan Society. Listening to coexisting with non-human animals reminds me that there are vegans uniting all across the globe to promote nonviolent vegan education whether it's on twitter facebook or on numerous blogs and forums i get to learn the nonviolent vegan message and that's certainly the message that i portray in my community with my family and friends and i try and engage in nonviolent vegan education wherever i can and Yesterday I was reading a blog by my favourite vegan chocolatier, La Yearwood, and she was reviewing uh, Lee Hall's new book On Their Own Terms, and she bolded a quote from the book that really captured my meaning of veganism. And um, it says, It takes no special power to be vegan. Vegans are just regular people who decline to participate in violence. And I really love that quote because really the reason I'm vegan is because I don't want to participate in violence and I can demonstrate non-violence by what I wear, what I eat, what I engage in for entertainment and pleasure and that can influence others and show others that there's a different way of living life without exploiting animals and treating animals as our property. So thank you Jordan for allowing me to be an honorary member. And um I'll definitely keep tuning in and thanks again.
8: When you live in the country, everybody is your neighbor on this
4: one thing you can rely. On.
10: Barbara DeGrand here from the Texas chapter of the Invercargill Vegan Society. I spent a lot of time on Christmas trying to explain to someone that Invercargill was a place in New Zealand. They kept calling it Invercargill or something like that. I think those of us that are honorary IVS members really need to work on our accents. I have kind of a California, Texas accent. Probably not real appropriate for an honorary IVS member, but I'm working on it. This is Barbara from Texas. Well, y'all know what I mean. If you're in the Texas area, please stop on by. We have some great meetups out this way. We'd love to show you the IVS ropes. Take care now.
8: y'all come y'all come, y'all
4: come. Y'all come see us when you can.
5: Now and then. Hi Jordan, it's Tim Geyer, speaking to you from Gainesville, Florida, USA, the home of the University of Florida and the Fighting Gators. It's an honor to send greetings to the Dictator for Life of the Invercargill Vegan Society. I didn't know it before today, but Invercargill is called the City of Water and Light due to its proximity to the rivers and the ocean, and because of its views of the auroral southern lights. Pretty
2: cool, huh? I have to jump in here. Actually Tim, it's not really an aurora that we see. It's more of a laser light show, courtesy of the Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall, US guy. The top secret, you're right, laser death star thing. The satellites also have the old timers disease. You'll be cruising down Tay Street in your ute at 50 kilometers an hour, can of spates in one hand, texting on the Nokia in the other, when the radio gets taken over with a broadcast of...
0: My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation It will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes.
2: Followed by 1.21 gigawatts of pew-pew whizzing past our water tower. Like living in Alaska, we get a yearly bribe from Los Americanos for looking the other way. Literally, that stuff burns your eyes.
5: As we head into the next decade, I'm looking forward to continuing to being and thinking vegan, as well as working on the internet with the good folks at ARZone to spread the word about animal rights, anti-speciesism, and veganism. Here at home, I'll be working with local people to get the vegan message out any way we can, whether by vegan potluck dinners or by tabling at local events or by leafletting at the college campus. Good luck in all you do, Jordan, and please say hello to all your chicken friends for me. Bye.
1: Hi, Jordan. This is Michael calling from Poughkeepsie, New York, in the United States. Um, I will be celebrating my one-year vegan anniversary on uh, Valentine's Day, February 14th. 2011 Um, I truly enjoy your podcast and I can't wait to hear many more podcasts Um, I enjoy watching the videos of your chicken friends and your MJ cast as well Um, I speak to people about uh, veganism as much as I can Uh, many times I don't bring up the subject people will ask me questions about what I eat when I go to the restaurants or, friend's house, or what I cook. Um, I also have a blog at wwwavoice for The number four, animals.blogspot.com, uh, where I discuss uh, different things that I've cooked or eaten, um, different products that I enjoy, uh, and news stories with animals in, in regards to uh, animal rights and abolition. Um, My hopes and dreams, obviously, are probably similar to yours, to get as many people to go vegan and to realize what they are contributing to, um, and basically to wake up and and make a change, uh, you know, to quote Michael, uh, you know, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change, and that's definitely what I did, and uh, I couldn't be happier with, with my choice. Um, that's basically my report uh, for now, and hopefully we can uh, talk more in the future. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
3: I'm doing this for the first time and with of microphones, so sound quality is not going to be good. Hello, my name is Uros. The last two letters of my name are pronounced like last two letters in the word fish. I live in a country called Bosnia-Herzegovina and in the city called Vienna. I am abolitionist vegan. I've been a vegan for almost a year and a half. Before that, I was vegetarian for a year. I promote abolitionist approach due to the fact that it's only approach that makes sense. I am very happy to be an honorary member of even Cargo Vegan Society, and it's so great that so many wonderful people promoting abolitionist veganism. Tide is turning in the right direction. My wish is a true peace where sentient are equal. Goodbye.
6: Hello, this is Elizabeth Collins from the Auckland Abolitionist Vegans Association. I'm proud to be an honorary member of the Invercargill Vegan Society, and Jordan is an Honorary member of the Auckland Abolitionist Vegans Association. Our motto is Creative Nonviolent Vegan Advocacy, and we are hoping to expand and engage in even more Creative Nonviolent Vegan Advocacy in the year 2011 and hopefully get down to Invercargill one day so that we can uh, meet the founder and dictator for life of the prestigious, internationally renowned, and absolutely wonderful and innovative Invercargill. Vegan Society, who was the first abolitionist vegan society in New Zealand. We were a little bit after that, we didn't come until later. Thanks for allowing me to be an honorary member, Jordan, and best wishes for 2011.
2: I think it's great to hear from so many people around the world who care about animals, honorary members of the Invercargill Vegan Society, even though they live in a faraway place like Auckland. Barbara DeGrand mentioned on the last episode of Veganacious about vegans who want to meet others in the area.
10: ...part of this global network of vegan abolitionist groups. Right now, we just need to get things ready so as the word spreads, we can assist all these future ex-omnivores with their vegan transformations. In fact, right now, there's an abolitionist waiting for a group to start in Boston, Massachusetts. There's another one waiting in Hialeah, Florida, and another one, well, maybe right where you live. What are you waiting for? Waiting for the world to change hasn't brought us much in the way of results or relief for the
2: animals. Exactly. What are you waiting for? Take it from me, dictator for life of the globally feared Invercargill Vegan Society. Sure, you may get a few jabs every now and then about the lack of visible members, Uh, I I thought it was better if we, uh, spread out to, uh, cover more ground. Yeah, cover more ground, that's it. And with an annual membership fee of zero dollars and zero cents, with one Mr. R. Ooster as treasurer, it doesn't really qualify as a get-rich-quick scheme. But think about the sheer joy you get from criticising the bourgeois, large animal rights groups. You know the ones I'm talking about, with two or more members and everything. It's great. Where, where? I'm the only vegan in the village! You get lots of honorary memberships out of sympathy. What more could we ask for? Thank you to everyone who sent in a report. All the honorary Invercargill Vegan Society members from around the globe. And that one guy actually in Invercargill, New Zealand. Thank you to Geoffrey (laughs) Coulwater... ...Canada? I was gonna say Canadia. Elizabeth Collins, New Zealand. Barbara DeGrand and Michael Tiedemann. They should name a square after you, Michael. And Tim Gear of the United States of America, Sasha James of Australia, and Uroš from Bosnia and Herzegovina. Um, I'm gonna need a little help with that. Sorry, Uroš.
3: country called Bosnia and Herzegovina, in the city called
2: Vienna. I should be a slaughterman for what I do to countries' names. Damn! Where's a godlike being of pure energy when you need him, her, it?
5: Bosnia and Herzegovina.
2: Ah, thanks, Alex. Nine thousand. Veganism is growing. One man slash woman slash chicken friend vegan societies and those lesser associations are popping up all over the place like weeds. By speaking clearly about veganism, we can be the ones throwing the seeds about. Who knows where they will spring forth, but something is definitely growing. Thank you all for helping me make this episode. Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Nonhuman Animals at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.blogspot.com. If you want to contact me, even just to compliment me on the Michael Jackson music I played, send an email to jwontdart at gmail.com, or on Twitter, twitter.com jaywontdart i I'd appreciate it. Thank you for listening.
4: Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.